Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 517, air date February 10th, 2020. Okay, everyone, we're going to be starting soon. So if you're waiting, we're going to be starting shortly. I have to wait for YouTube. We're going live on all media. Uh, today's talk is going to be on biomedia warfare. And we're waiting to see if everyone's live here. And it looks like we should be going live shortly. Let's see, I have to edit here on Twitter. Looks good, I'm hearing. I have to go public on uh, YouTube. All right. Uh, let's see how that goes. So I'm going live on all media here. Let's see how this is going to do. All right. Um, I should be live on all media. It looks like I'm streaming on YouTube. Let's see if I'm going live on YouTube. YouTube may have some issues, but it looks like otherwise we're pretty good. Um, we should be coming live on other media. Alan, can you see us okay? Okay. Uh, YouTube says uh, some time because there could be some uh, issues out there, but I think on Twitter we're okay. Alan, are we good on Facebook? You can text me, Alan. If you guys see me on Facebook, uh, not on Facebook. Okay. Let's see if Facebook. All right. Let's see how Facebook is doing. And I'm just re doing Facebook. I think on uh, on uh, Periscope, I'm good. Looks like. Let's see how we're doing on Periscope. Um, view the broadcast. Okay, it looks like we're good on Periscope. And it looks like we're going live on um, Facebook here. Yep, there we are. Good. Okay, everyone. Uh, good morning. This is Dr. Shiva Ayadure. Uh, we're going to be really talking about some very important things today. And, and in particular, we're going to talk about a concept that I've had uh, for a number of years, uh, going back to uh, back in uh, probably about a, almost a decade now, it's a concept of biology and media coming together in some very um, fundamental ways. And it's a theory that I actually proposed um, many years ago at a conference that I gave this paper at in Cornell, and it's called the Biomimetics of Communication and Media. So I want to explain this to you a little bit, the theory um, you know, I am a scientist. I am a systems biologist. I also do um, work in a number of other areas, uh, some of you may know. Uh, but this uh, uh, concept came to me because uh, some of you may know I, I uh, created the first email system. That was my first foray into email. And many years later, uh, about uh, 10, 15 years later, I also created a technology called EchoMail. And EchoMail was a technology which allowed to analyze email and automatically sort it. And that technology was used by the largest customer service organizations in the world. So email back in 78 uh, was where I created the future in many ways to convert the old fashioned inner office mail system to the electronic form, wrote the 50,000 lines of code, called it email and got the first US copyright. There's no controversy on who created email. It was just a controversy created uh, when it went into the Smithsonian about uh, seven years ago. But the reality was email was a really a, uh, a medium 
for inter-office communications, organizational communications. Now in 1993, uh, uh, almost 15 years later, I'd gone to MIT, did a bunch of degrees, and I was in the middle of my PhD program, and uh, I was figuring out ways, what you would call today AI, in those days we called it pattern analysis and AI, to automatically read a signal. The signal could be a handwriting, uh, handwriting and automatically figure out what was in the handwriting and categorize it, or a speech signal, or an ultrasonic signal, or a document. So I was creating a very powerful technology base that could handle all different kinds of signal using foundational areas in information theory. And I call that concept information cybernetics. And that was my the middle of my PhD uh, uh, work in 1993. Now in the middle of that, I got involved in a contest I was asked to participate in to automatically analyze email because email is another type of signal. Long story short, I ended up winning that competition. It was done for the White House. In 1993, up until 78 to 93, email was really an inner office application. But after 93, email became a consumer application. Why? Well, if, um, I don't know how old some of you are, but if you are over the age of 40, you may remember in 1993 is when the World Wide Web came and it was really the user interface over uh, the internet. And it allowed everyday people to start using the internet um, the email that I created in 78 went to a web platform. So companies like Yahoo and uh, Gmail and all these companies, uh, AOL started creating a web-based version of email. And that's when you saw email volume skyrocketing. In 1993, when I used to give seminars in a room of about a thousand people, you may be lucky if you saw uh, maybe um, you know about uh, one person, two people out of a, uh, a thousand say they had an email account. But after 93, when the web came, email became a consumer application. But what also happened was lots of people started getting inbound email. So 1993, when Clinton was in the White House, um, he was experiencing 5,000 uh, emails per day coming in and they were doubling. The way that the White House used to handle communications was if, if you wrote him a letter, uh, you said, you know, I have an issue with some issue with education or drugs, they would print out that letter. They had 147 different categories of different buckets of uh, categories and for the letter that you wrote in, they would find the right form letter and they would send it out to you. Well, when email came, they weren't prepared for this. It was much higher volume. So the way that the White House was dealing with was, was they would actually print out the email and they would find the right bucket and they would send you back a print letter to your email only if you put your home address on that email. So in 1993, the White House decides to run a contest to see are there artificial intelligence technologies that can automatically read in email, categorize into one of those 147 categories um, to actually understand the categorization of that email. Long story short, um, uh, I was the only graduate student invited to participate because of my work in the field that was starting to be known uh, with five other pu uh, publicly traded companies. Long story short, I ended up winning that contest and, um, and I uh, left MIT to start a company called Echo Mail. You can look it up. It's still is up there at E-C-H-O-M-A-I-L. So we used to take an email, figure out the sentiment in the email, the attitude in the email, all these amazing features, then we could actually bucket it and then figure out a response. So I grew that company to around 250 million in value. Um, and we, uh, it was a great company and uh, for large enterprises. Today, we've, we're starting to offer that same technology for small businesses and small companies. And you can go read about it, but anyway, 
when I was doing that company, I used to uh, get to work with the largest organizations in the world, American Express and Citigroup and Nike. Th these were all customers of mine. And I really started seeing how organizations um, were using media, particularly with digital media, in very, very different ways. And I'll come back to that. But fundamentally, media, social media, email, was changing the nature of organizations from what was called centralized command and control to becoming more dispersive because the old model of organizational theory was you had the CEO's office and they would tell you know their senior managers what to do and then they it would be a concentric circle model so it was a very hierarchical model but what email and uh, other types of media were starting to do was that uh, decisions and the actual wonderful decisions were being made at the periphery so at the call centers people would write into an organization and the call center people would respond back at you know PR which was centralized is also becoming much more dispersed um, uh, things like social media wall posts and all these things are starting to change the central command and control architecture um, in our case our technology would automatically read the email we would figure out what it was we would route it to people people would formulate answers so they had standard messages but it was a very powerful way um, that echo mail helped major organizations and it still does It was way ahead of its times probably 15 years ahead, ahead of its time at the time Separately from this some of you may, may know in 2003 I came back to MIT because my one of my other loves is medicine and I ended up creating a technology called Cytosolve which is a technology to model molecular pathways on the computer so what that allowed us to do was to look at the human cell as a very complex uh, infrastructure of all different chemical reactions and figure out the chemical interactions, mathematically convert them to pathways and compute them. So that was Cytosolve. So if email in many ways was the infrastructure that I created in 78 to, uh, to modulate communications in the inner office, Cytosolve was a way to modulate and understand molecular interactions. So they seem very different, but to me, uh, I started seeing these very, very interesting um, features that were very similar. So I'm going to. So that resulted in an aha moment I had in 2000 and um, around. When was this paper published? Let's see. This was published in 2011, um, and it was called the Biomimetics of Communication and Media. And what I was proposing in this paper was that that we were actually that there was a phenomenon taking place where media and communication uh, and biology media communication biology were actually starting to mimic each other and let me share with you what I you can read the paper if you guys want it you can go get it on our uh, on my center's website but if you look at the cell one of the things that was occurring in biology at this time in 2003 one of the important things that was occurring was we realized that the old model of biology had significantly changed in 1950s when Watson and Crick you know uh, discovered DNA the theory was that DNA so when you saw diagrams of the cell they would draw the cell wall the cytoplasm and right in the middle was the uh, was you know the nucleus and the DNA was in there and the, and the theory was that the DNA was a control command and control center right and again everything went from there so we were in some ways imposing this human concept of command and control that um, at the cellular level that the DNA was a center, you know, and it sent communications out everywhere else. Okay. 
So it's a central command and control model and the DNA was considered the brain of the cell. However, in 2003, something fascinating occurred. When the genome project ended around 2003, one of the big parts of it where we were trying to understand uh, how many genes did we have and how many did a worm have? We knew a worm had around 20,000 genes. We thought we had about a half a million genes. When the genome project ended, it turns out we only have around 20,000 protein coding genes, the same as a worm. So this shifted biology to a, to a, it was a revolution in biology. People realized they'd gotten things wrong. Biologists had um, asserted that complexity of an organism was related to the, uh, you know, to the, number of parts. So the more number of genes, which means you, you, you must be more complex. A worm had 20,000 genes. So we said, well, we must have a half a million genes because we're more complex. Well, it turns out we have about the same number of genes, around 20,000 genes. So, so now the issue was, well, if that's not true, that means DNA is not who we are. Genes are not who we are. There's more complexity. So what this resulted in, and people realizing, it's all the molecular interactions going on. So what I had proposed in this diagram here, you'll see, was that if you look at, I mean, this is essentially me saying, like, if you look at the, if you guys can see this here, if you look at the, here, if you look at the cell, you know, you, the red represents a cell wall. And then inside of it, in this orange area, you have all the stuff going on inside of the cell wall. And over here was the nucleus where RNA and transcription is taking place. Now, what I had proposed here, if you notice, the nucleus is not in the center. I pushed it off to the side, almost made it sort of equal. And what you find here, as you study biology more and more, all the interesting stuff is really occurring at the edges, meaning the interactions of things being, you know, virus lands on the cell wall. Interactions take place right here, whether it's allowed in or not. All the communication decisions, this is like the border, you know, the immigration border in some ways. Um, where decisions are made, being made, what's allowed and what isn't, and when things are allowed in, then reactions take place in the cytoplasm. The nucleus in this model really has information. It's really storage, okay? It really has storage of DNA, which is used uh, as needed to help create proteins as needed. So it's not like the DNA is guiding everything. It's more as things come in from the outside in, the DNA is issued commands to react, to upregulate different proteins, etc. So the concept here, the takeaway is that the edges and the, and the interior and, and the communication at the edges is where the really fascinating things are going on. So this was, uh, biology was starting to move in this direction. I essentially you know, articulated that, saying that the real very cool stuff is occurring at the edges. Okay, and this has a lot of philosophical meaning. Um, similarly, at this time, let me go back to the diagram. Um, in uh, you know, I was uh, remember I was in transition. I had, I was running Echomail, my company, from 1993 to 2003. Worked with the biggest Fortune 1000 companies. Learned a lot about how organizations worked. And uh, and here in 2003 to seven, I was starting to move into systems biology. And one of the interesting things I noted here, you'll see in this diagram here. Let's go down here in this paper. Um, it was a very, very well-received paper. I, I sort of drew an organization like a cell here, as you can see. And what you see here is that the, the cell wall is, is in, in this case, is mimicking the wall of an organization, which is interacting with it, the public outside. 
And so the public, you know, you're talking with social media to Twitter and Facebook. To who? Your consumers or your partners. Investor relations is sending news out to its potential investors. The executive office is sending news out. Public relations. Customer service, which are typically in warehouses. Um, you know, uh, getting lots of phone calls. But the edges are where the interesting thing is occurring. This is where you're connecting with customers and partners. Messages are going out. And here you notice the old model of senior management was very much like the nucleus. Like they were the center and everything was going on outside. In many ways, the concept of the government being at the center and all of us listening to them. But here you notice I've offset it a little bit. This is the corporate office. You know, salespeople are bringing in sales. Uh, but it's a very interesting analogy I was making here. But the important point is the interesting things here occurring at the edges, very similar. Uh, someone said, would you mind elaborating on the philosophical aspect? I will. And that, um, so the interesting thing is interactions at the edges are what define the organizational um, uh, reactions which occur here, how much sales you get, how HR works, versus what you see occur, and similar to what you see occurring here at the cell wall. Today, for example, we know in biology that you know when things land on the cell surface, there's all these wonderful reactions that take place that actually initiate the cell uh, instructions to the DNA to do stuff. In some ways, DNA is waiting there. So if you eat a certain food, if you get a virus, if you get different things, these things, these interactions occur at the cell wall. No different than if a company, let's say, has a crisis taking place. You know, those occur at the edges and then the uh, senior management has to decide what role it, it takes in that. But all the interesting stuff was taking at, at place at the edges. In fact, uh, to answer the philosophical question, if you look at information, matter, and energy, there's a very interesting body of physics which is saying that the edges of the universe is where information and thought is stored, and that's materialized through energy, and then we get matter. So information, energy, and matter. So thoughts through energy create matter. In this case, the information, the interesting activity is going on at the edges, and the real uh, in some ways, the center, what we thought as a center, is not so smart. So in my book, System and Revolution, I talk about this concept of the center. We, I believe, take this anthropomorphic view thinking that there is a center to everything. So, you know, we thought that, you know, the Earth was the center of the universe. Well, it turned out that's not true. Well, it turns out the solar system is not the center of the universe either. The solar system um, uh, literally goes you know, around the Milky Way, but there's really no center in my, I think this concept of center is unfortunately a hierarchical man-made concept that in nature there is really no center, there's really the edges. So I think this comes philosophically important because where does creativity take place? I would argue it occurs at the edges, not in the center. So we are thought to believe that all the great innovations come out of MIT, Harvard, Silicon Valley, the center. You know, email was not created in the center of the military industrial complex. It was created in Newark, New Jersey. TV was not created by RCA in the center of Stanford. It was created by a young kid called Philo Farnsworth and so on. So the edges are where, where it's interesting. So what I'm proposing here is that the it's not about the center. It's about the edges, okay? And in nature, I think it's... Uh, you know, someone, uh, I think some of the biblical teachings say the meek shall inherit the earth. So the concept is that all of us who are quote unquote at the edges is where all the intelligence occurs. And we've been thought to think all the intelligence in the center, be it in this case in the DNA or be it in the, in the, in the case 
of the organizational center, okay? So I wanna give you that theoretical framework that I'm proposing here, um, because it comes down to a concept that I wanna share with you called biomedia warfare. And I started proposing this, so uh, uh, a, a term that I've come up with to really explain what I believe is going on in the world right now as, we, as media, propaganda, and biological engineering emerge. The interesting thing is I have a PhD in biological engineering. I also have a master's in, in media, which I don't talk about out of the MIT Media Lab and with all the work I've done with EchoMail. So I understand media very well, the dynamics of it. I also understand the dynamics of you know biological systems, the molecular systems as well as the media systems. When you put this together, here's a theory I have that came as I started looking at the coronavirus. Um, and this is what I wanna uh, propose to you, and then we can take some questions also. The proposal is this, why do you think that there's been, um, if, you, if you turn the clock back about a month ago, December, late, mid-December to uh, uh, January, was there was a huge movement taking place, and still is, but uh, I called for having massive protests in New Jersey to really, uh, you know, to stop the, uh, uh, you know, a lot of this nonsense about uh, trying to impose vaccines on everyone. This is not about pro or anti-vax. It's about the government trying to tell us that one size fits all. All of us, and particularly children, should all get the same standardized vaccines. For 17 years, this movement's been going on. When I came into it, I saw a major flaw that it was a top-down thing, be it, you know, the, the legislative people involved, be it the 1962 Vaccination Act or be it the Kennedys and the, a few media people controlling this movement. And I said, this needs to be a bottoms up movement. People in New Jersey took that to heart and we had a very powerful movement. And one of the things that happened was they stopped the, the bill from, uh, you know, the bill wasn't passed in New Jersey because they didn't have enough votes. It was a big victory. Well, a week later, the coronavirus comes. Now also look prior to that in China, um, I'm just looking at timing, you know, no conspiracy. I'm just looking at the timing. Big victory in New Jersey. But the other thing that also occurred, um, exactly, no forced vaccine someone just put out. But the other thing that also occurred at this time, you may think about, was this, that Hong Kong protests were going on. People in Hong Kong wanted freedom. They, it was a bottoms-up massive explosive movement. So here the Chinese government and the establishment is dealing with the fact people are waking up that you can't impose medical uh, interventions on everyone. And I was leading that effort in terms of sharing with people the, the immune system, how the immune system is different, and those videos were going viral. Plus, you had the fact there's this huge uh, upsurge of activism in Hong Kong, okay? And that's all over the media. We hear the media that, you know, uh, the bills about vaccines, and we also see this media event about Hong Kong. So just put that in your framework and you can go look at it on Google. You'll see a lot of media about the Hong Kong protests and what occurred in New Jersey. Well, one week later, we have this, uh, uh, the news, news, media about the coronavirus, okay? And we still have it in the media. Well, what do you see uh, occur as a result of that? Well, the coronavirus news cycle is now used to Again, Bill, bring out guys like Bill Gates, who are now going to donate $100 million to the WHO for vaccines. Vaccines now come front and foremost as this is a way that we fight the coronavirus. It's a great uh, vehicle, right, to you know reinstantiate the power of vaccines. And at the same time, you don't hear a lot about Hong Kong anymore. Hong Kong disappears off the front pages. 
Now, the Chinese government, you have to understand, is an autocratic central command and control. So in this model, they're in the center and they control everyone around them. Okay, so China is the state capitalist model. If you really want to get into the if you want to go study, you know, Marxian theory and etc., you'll actually find that that uh, that Mao was actually a revisionist of Marxism. Okay, he used Marx's picture and everything, but um, if you actually go read the writings, which very few people have read of Das Kapital, etc., it was always supposed to be about things coming bottoms up. Well, the Chinese Communist Party was all about top-down and centralized command and control, and that's what they're about. It's autocratic, centralized dictatorship rule. So now think about the fact that Hong Kong is taking place, and you have uh, people coming bottoms up, demanding their freedom, okay? And it's all in the news. People are supporting Hong Kong. By and large, people believe in democracy. Coronavirus, this is what I call biomedia warfare. You have control of the media. And now you need something very, very urgent. Well, viruses, right? Given all the news about pro-vax, anti-vax, you know, viruses are always promoted as this deadly thing that can kill everyone. And again, we have to consider there's trillions of viruses. We have billions of viruses in our body. And because very few people have the chance to really study biology, it's always promoted. As, and, you know, a movie came out in the middle of this by Netflix called Pandemic, quite coincidental. But the notion of viruses can kill anyone, annihilate the immune system. This is what's promoted in the media. And if you actually study biology, it's, it's pretty much nonsense because our immune system has evolved over billions of years. If you have the right nutrition and the right uh, you know, environment, your body is intended to fight off these viruses. You're supposed to be a resilient system. You're supposed to, you know, as I shared in this diagram, get things coming to you at your cell walls, right? You're supposed to exercise your cell walls and your body learns how to react and get stronger and stronger. So this whole notion a virus can kill you or this one, this one can completely annihilate you uh, is false because if you have health, it's assuming you have a weak immune system, okay? So if we look at what's going on with the coronavirus, right now, uh, the last number I think I looked at was, uh, let's say 2% of the people who've been infected have died, 2%, okay? Well, every year, 800,000, a maximum of 800,000 people get infected by the flu and about 60,000 die. That's about 8%, okay? Uh, in here, we have a 2% uh, death rate, a mortality rate, and most of the people who are actually dying, if you read about it, are people 60 and over who also had a pre-existing condition. However, the coronavirus is everywhere in the news, okay? And for the Chinese government, this is a proposal, a hypothesis, as a scientist I'd like to make. Isn't it quite valuable for the Chinese government to really push this coronavirus and you can, we can talk about whether it was man-made or not man-made. That's a whole nother discussion. And if you want, I can talk about that. But separate from that, this virus, biology, combined with media, is a very powerful way, bio-media warfare, that you can now scare the bejesus out of the public and say, oh my God, this is what we need to do. This becomes the most important issue. Again, only 2% of the people have died. Right. You brand it as a world, you know, a massive, horrible thing. And by the way, the WHO gets involved and the, the WHO, 
which is the part of the UN, is a very corrupt organization if you actually go study them. The people who have been typically put into the leadership of the WHO are supported by and large. They have links one to two degrees of freedom away to the Gates Foundation or to the Clinton Global Initiative. It's about control. So I would like to posit this concept that we are living in a very interesting time. It's not just you know, media warfare, propaganda, but now you're using viruses and the fear of viruses melding into media to create enough fear that you can have top-down control. Because the reality is we're moving to a world where people want to come bottoms up. That's what we saw in Hong Kong. That's what we saw in New Jersey. Um, and people are recognizing the power is at the edges. And so governments and institutions want to deploy top-down control, including people in these so-called activism groups. You know, that's why I was very critical of some of these people who've been fighting the quote-unquote vaccine issue for 17 years. They support people like Bobby Kennedy, support Hillary Clinton. You know, they've been in this movement for a long time. And what have they really done? Very little. But when it's bottoms up, explosive things take place, things get done quickly. So in reaction to that, I would like to propose that those in power are now weaponizing media weaponizing viruses, media weaponizing viruses to scare us and then using that not potentially as a weapon to kill people, that could be part of it, but the bigger thing is really control. The Chinese government with the uprising in Hong Kong really needs to show that they have control of the situation. So you manufacture, maybe they manufactured it, maybe the bioweapon argument's true, there's around 1500 nucleotides in the coronavirus I've talked about on RT, which is very different than in the SARS virus, and we can't really trace where it came from. In fact, in this case with the coronavirus, uh, the first person who got infected wasn't in the market, so perhaps it was created. If it was created or not, in some ways it doesn't make a difference. In my view, it is serving the Chinese government because they can come in as the saviors of the Uniparty. We're going to build quickly, look how fast we can bring build these hospitals in 10 days, we can take control of things and we can bring order to disorder. So that's what I'd like to put out there. The concept of biology and media, and again, you probably heard it first time here, biomedia warfare, biomedia warfare, where biology and media start getting interconnected. So let's, uh, so someone just said citizens journalism, exactly, is the opposite of top down, we go bottoms up. So if you look at the statistics again, 2% of people have died. Most of the people who are getting this are from pre-existing conditions, even the mortality. I think in one study out of the set of people that died, a small fraction were people below the age of 60, I think five people. So I wanna put this in context and perhaps we can have a conversation. Alan, if you're there, if you're watching my Facebook, uh, we can see, let's see what's going on, on Facebook. If there's any interesting comments coming up there. Let's see, comments on Facebook. Fear and division, um, someone's saying. Uh, all while stating to public, this is why you need us, exactly. It was no doubt created, thank you, fear and division. So if you're on Facebook, you can see it live there. On Twitter, biomedia warfare, exactly. So um, let's take any questions. So the, again, the concept is, have we taken propaganda to a new level where we're using biology combined with media to create fear, wrap it around media and make it news stories so you can control people. That's the concept, biomedia warfare. Someone says, doesn't seem like you know all the facts. That was from GG Latinos. Well, I'm here to share. Tell me what you know. 
and we can talk more. That's Gigi. Shiva, come to the rescue. Someone says that. Let's look at this one. Uh, Alan, if you see any comments, let me know. Alan's one of uh, our producers helping us today. What's in the fog China spraying? Lysol. Someone's saying, what about Bill Gates control population growth by 10% using vaccines? Uh, makes sense. What really, what What to the doctor died? I'm not sure what that means. Vaccine is a virus. The UN agenda to depopulate the world. Agenda 21. I know a number of people have brought that up. The entire UN is corrupt. Uh, the media is global in the discussion of coronavirus. You're spot on. Exactly. So everyone is discussing the coronavirus. Uh, we don't discuss other things which are equally deadly. Um or more. Um, and that discussion has gone into the fray. And I really want to find out what has happened to Hong Kong. I mean, Hong Kong was a huge movement of the people It looked. It's completely gone. So the question I want to posit to you is, is it possible that, forget the, you know, the conspiracy stuff that's gone, was it made by China or not? Let's say it was or wasn't. Isn't this an wasn't this an amazing opportunity for China to put that front and center and to diminish the protests that are taking place in Hong Kong? Uh, Stephanie Pruden Christner says, "Bottoms up, uh, bottoms up." Exactly. This is biomedia warfare started with polio. Have you read Dr. Mary's Monkey? No, but I will. How do we as citizens get a media modality to communicate real facts? Um, so that's a good question. How do so? One of the things is that um, I'm going to talk about this. Uh, next Saturday, what I call digital rights are really the need to have peer-to-peer -peer communications where we can actually have media that's owned by the people for the people. It's not going to occur. I know there's some people saying, let me go create my own version of Facebook. Well, even if you do that, you may create the software, but the infrastructure of that media is owned by five major tele telecommunications companies. Some of you may remember when the revolution was taking place in Egypt, in Tahrir Square, first the students came out and that grew and grew and grew and they were using Facebook and social media. But when working people came out, that was very fearful to the Mubarak government. And literally one phone call to the telecommunications company Vodafone shut down the entire internet in Egypt. So it didn't matter whether they had Facebook or Twitter, they went right to the hardware and they shut down the telecommunications. So we're not going to have free communications in the digital world as long as Facebook and Google and four or five telecom companies own the media. Right now, you know, we're not that much of a threat. You know, if there was, let's say, the government became extremely onerous and we wanted to rise up, well, it's good that we have the Second Amendment. But the First Amendment could be completely controlled by probably six or six people in the world. The CEOs of AT&T, Verizon, maybe one other telecom, and the CEO of Google and Facebook. Few people can essentially shut down communications. The only way out of this is peer-to-peer -peer and mesh networks, which I've proposed to the Postal Service. Um, and so it's a solution that, it's, it's a, frankly a, a very, when you think about it, it may sound like a weird solution, but it's actually a very common sense solution for us to regain our digital rights. Let me look on uh, Facebook here. Smoke and mirrors and information to confirm uh, uh, what happened to the measles outbreaks. Exactly. Uh, we need to rise up. Yep. So someone just said, what happens to the measles outbreaks? Exactly. Whenever people come, it seems like wanting to assert their own democracy, be it what occurred in we saw in Hong Kong or people in this country saying, hey, it's not about vaccine or not vaccine. We can have that discussion. I've shared with you my 
scientific perspective on it. I put out, I presented papers on this. I put out the immune system video. Separate from the science of fundamental issues, do we as people have right to decide what goes into our bodies? That's what the real question here is. And whenever people have risen up to demand yes, um, you will notice suddenly measles outbreaks at break or coronavirus. So um, it's a very interesting world we live in now how viruses are being used uh, to support media, uh, integrated with media. It's almost like viral marketing. In some ways it's, a, it's, it's, it's to, the, to the power of two. Did you see the interview did with Google whistleblower? Um, I think uh, no, but I, Zach Warhees and I have communicated. Um, let's see this other one, 50, 57 comments. I'm trying to go through all your comments, guys, so I, I can make sure I don't miss any. Um, let's go on here and see what's on. Uh, the media is global in the discussion of coronavirus. That's from James. Uh, problem, reaction, solution. Definitely. Thanks for addressing issues most political aspirants feel you deal with. Your bravery is appreciated. Are we supposed to survive? So someone just talked about the fact that I'm, uh, uh, you know, I am running for United States Senate. Um, um, the opposition I'm running is a Republican. The opposition will be either uh, Ed Markey or Joe Kennedy. And, you know, our view is that if you want to support our campaign, you can go to the future forward with Shiva. Future forward with Shiva. That's what our campaign's about. Creating the future moving forward with Dr. Shiva. That's what our campaign is. Or people can remain backward in the old with these old corrupt politicians. The old corrupt po political model is it's who you know, it's your it's your name, you're a Kennedy, you automatically get, get to be the next U.S. Senator or you're a Markey in Massachusetts. But if you fundamentally look at what's going on in this country, in the world, a small set of people who are highly corrupt uh, oligarchs think they're going to control everything in the world, a, a finite set of people. And that finite set of people have become so corrupt, they can't maintain the infrastructure in this country anymore. And if you go to Shiva for Senate, you'll see it. I have a, 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 a part of the website. In fact, I'll bring it up here since people are asking about it. Um, if we go to uh, Shiva for Senate, if you're online, let me go to shivaforsenate.com. Um, there's a little manifesto I've written. Um, that everyone, if you have the chance to go read it, it's a theoretical manifesto. It's easy to read. It's about two pages. It is pretty um, potent, uh, meaning it has a lot of good content in it, but it really lays out the overall overarching thing that's taking place. So let me go here. And let me switch over here. So transition over here. So if you go to the website, um, you can literally click here and you can see right here this um, manifesto which is a PDF document that'll give you a detailed analysis of my analysis of what's going on. And it's uh, the revolution to win your future for truth, freedom, and health. And if you go through this PDF, you can download it, you're free to print it. Um, it really talks about the fundamental issue that's occurring is these major uh, centralized systems of governance are unable to deliver us infrastructure. Massachusetts, for example, got a F an F, a big fat F, 135, I think the score is here, 135, 123 out of 350 uh, in its rating by the American Society of Civil Engineers. It is from infrastructure is how we really solve problems. It is infrastructure that really you know, eliminated most of the infectious diseases in the 1900s. It is not medical interventions. They've had a minimal effect. But because the governments of the world have become 
frankly, because of the level of corruption, particularly in the United States and these states, they're unable to deliver us infrastructure that that is how we actually solve problems. And that's the way we move into the future through infrastructure, through innovation, to bringing, integrating different ideas. Because they can't do that, in my view, they are creating fake problems and fake solutions. And they're weaponizing that through the media. And that's what this biomedia warfare aspect is about. Uh, let's see. Any other questions here? Uh, everyone asks a lot about, you someone said you should listen to Steve Bannon's War Room Pandemic. He just had Chinese guy there with the scoop. Why are there so many bio four level labs? Coronavirus wouldn't be possible without bio fours. Uh, who decides the airwaves? So let's talk about this. Look, um, the notion of weaponizing biology has been around for a while, which means creating biological warfare. Uh, as we know, the house is now discussing, you know, uh, the Lyme disease that, that potentially, uh, uh, you know, things like ticks and mosquitoes were used to deliver certain types of viruses. It's quite possible. Um, you know, uh, when you have certain, a lot of power, the few set of people, people can do a lot of nasty things. And China, what's interesting about them is because of the closed nature, they're, they're doing all sorts of experiments right now. You know, transplanting uh, or, you know, inter, you know, transplanting, I think, um, brains from one animal to another animal. Um, the controls that we think will take place on bioethics to stop some of this research, in my view, it's probably gotten out of hand. And there's probably all sorts of experimentation that's taking place in China. And for that matter, we don't know in the, in the U.S. deep state what's taking place. But uh, when you bring in biology into this, it becomes a very powerful way to weaponize systems, but also to control people. Um, how about candida auris in most hospitals? Isn't yeah, so the Candida auris virus, um, or the, the bacteria people have talked about, it's something deep in the soil. Um, I think New York Times had an article on it that's coming out, um, and no one's talking that much about it. But this is what I can tell you when it comes to the immune system. The solution here is really clean water, clean air, clean food, and making sure you're getting enough nutrients. If we keep getting fearful that these viruses are going to, you know, destroy us and control us and hurt us. That is part of the game here. Um, there are many things that we can do to support our immune system. And that's what we should really be putting forward. If you don't have proper water, if there's poison in water, you start hurting your gut microbiome. That microbiome destruction causes neuroinflammation. By the way, quote unquote, autism is a spectrum of neuroinflammation. And all of these systems are interconnected, the gut brain axis. So what we should really be focused on from a policy perspective, from a health rights perspective, is clean air, clean water, clean food. Instead of focusing on that, you have dumb idiots like AOC and Markey, the guy I'm going to run after, who's been involved in the environmental quote-unquote movement for 40 years. Meanwhile, companies like Monsanto are allowed to still prosper. You know, they merge in with Bayer. We have huge amounts of uh, pesticides that are still in our environment, which affect the gut microbiome. We, instead of addressing clean water, clean air, clean food, um, clean air, for example, pollution is the number one source of death in the world. Seven million people die. Instead of addressing that issue, which is an infrastructure issue, which means uh, people, um, the, the politicians have to address that, and they can't because they're corrupt. Most of their money goes into their pockets. They create an issue called climate change. They make CO2 the enemy. So with CO2 as the enemy, and then you, again, use media warfare 
In some ways, it's chemical media warfare. You say CO2 is the enemy. It's frankly biology again. Um, and then you scare the hell out of people. You use a, a girl like Greta, I forget her, like Thorn, Thornburg, whatever her name is, to scare everyone, fear again. And therefore, that fear is used to promote policy. When the real issue is we need to lower pollution. The Paris Accords allows China to pollute another 22 billion tons of carbon. Okay, I mean, another 11 billion. They're able to go from 11 billion carbon tons today, China, and to double their pollution. So we're, we, the Paris Accords doesn't lower pollution. It increases pollution. And then after 2030, countries like China will have to get more carbon credits to offset their pollution. So this is really all a big scam when we're not addressing the fundamental issues of actually clean water, clean air, clean food. We are smarter than they realize only their brainwashed few believe them. That's true. Um, we need brilliant politicians in D.C. Shiva for Senate. Look, I am running for Senate. When I look at this country, you know, my entire life has been about creating the future. By the way, uh, we're in the middle of launching my, um, you know, updated website because a lot of people, uh, you know, really don't know that I actually work full time for a living. Uh, I get up at four or five in the morning and I run three different businesses. I'm still an inventor and a scientist. It's something I really enjoy doing. Um, and I've been doing it all my life. So people said, Shiva, people really need to understand all the different range of things you do. So we've updated our website to really make that clear. So if you go to our new website, you'll see it. It's called, you know, it's, it's, it's creating the future. You'll see it gives a little portfolio of the different things I've done in 78. You know, I created the first email system today and uh, you know, 2020, as you, as people may know, I'm running for U.S. Senate. Um, and um, let me go here. And um, uh, this is one of the activities I'm doing right now. But, you know, uh, I, I also run a company called Cytosolve. Cytosolve is a company's digital medicine. We, we've figured out a very powerful way to model molecular pathways on the computer. This was my PhD work at MIT between 2003 to 7. 7 to 12, I wrote a lot of papers, but uh, one of my loves is really natural products, how the alchemy of natural ingredients, and we're using this technology to really do digital medicine so we can actually um, understand at the molecular level how, you know, oops, let me go back here, how, um, you know, uh, interactions take place within the human body so people can actually, um, we can actually develop uh, medicines or natural products at work. If you go to Whole Foods today, there's a lot of stuff there that people are putting, but uh, some of it's snake oil. Our technology can actually figure it out. The other thing I do is Systems Health. It is my educational institute that I run where we actually teach people how to see the body as a system. And as I shared, um, uh, if you, I'll talk about this, but we have a tool if you, uh, that those people support my campaign. I give them a book called System and Revolution. I give them uh, the tools to actually understand your body as a system, and I'll share that with you shortly. Um, EchoMail is a very powerful company which allows you to analyze email. And the other thing is some of you may or may not know that I'm the guy who created Clean Food Certified. You can go to Whole Foods now and you'll see many, many products that have been certified clean, which goes beyond GMOs, which goes beyond, I mean, it's, it's, it's non-GMO and it's organic, but it goes beyond that. So when you have a time, please take a chance to understand sort of the range of things that I'm involved in. And um, I think from a U.S. Senate candidate, you're not going to see someone who actually writes, still writes software code, runs companies, created the first email system, is actually helping health. The Clean Food Certified, uh, one of the things I'm very proud of with the Clean Food Certified piece is if you go to Whole Foods, 
uh, or other companies, let me bring this up. It's something interesting to know. I, I could do a whole video on it. Maybe I'll do it next week. But Clean Food Certified is a standard that I did as a labor of love because what was going on was in the, it's a consensus-based standard without waiting for the government. We brought together consumers and uh, stakeholders and we built a, a label called Clean and Raw. And it's really taking the clean food movement to another level. And what we've done here is we've literally said, okay, in order to have clean food, it's, it's a, you have to take a systems-based approach, which involves safety, minimally processed, and bioavailability of nutrients. Three things, the food has to be safe, minimally processed, you don't want to kill the food, at high bioavailability. And we have two different seals, and there's many products. Uh, the more the advanced, um, you know, smart, innovative people in the health products industry, they're recognizing we need to, need to go to clean food. So I wanted to share that with everyone to let you know that as a Senate candidate, I still work full time. And my theory of this was that the founders of this country, Washington was a surveyor, he was a businessman, he was a soldier, you know, uh, people like Jefferson were architects, uh, you know, uh, scientists, Franklin, he did pretty much everything. And we think that one person should only do one thing. So it's hard for people to understand that I'm a polymath. I do actually do all these things. I'm not a Joe Kennedy who, uh, like a, frankly, like a robot, you know, went to a private school, then went to law school and now gets to run for Senate. And that's what these guys do. And I think we deserve more. So the Shiva for Senate campaign in Massachusetts, in many ways, it's bringing us back to what this country was about. People in this country are about creating the future. That's what America was supposed to be about. It's about all of us. We're supposed to use our intelligence and create the future and bottoms up by the people for the people. That's why when I, I have a perspective on these things, because I do a lot of different things and I'm actually there building things like, you know, be it a plumber or an electrician, people or engineers who do stuff. We, we see things that politicians who are just sort of getting their elected, reelected don't see. Let me take a couple other questions. Um, move the F out of Massachusetts. <laughs> well, look, Massachusetts is in many ways a center of the deep state. You have the two major institutions of academic institutions, MIT, uh, supposedly the biggest institution for science and technology in Harvard. I would argue pretty much every a major villain in the world um, has gone through through those one of those two institutes. So winning in Massachusetts, defeating the oligarchy of the quote-unquote liberal aristocracy uh, by someone like me who's really one of you who came from nothing, a uh, working-class kid in New Jersey, would be a, a powerful explosive moment in history. So any of you out there support our campaign. Uh, and what I wanted to let you guys know is, um, just to let you know, uh, it's very hard for me to accept something for nothing, probably how my parents brought me up. Um, but let me show you what we do is when you guys support our campaign, I actually give you something. It's uh, My great-grandfather said one of the most powerful things is knowledge. Um, and, and so here, what we've done is if you go to our campaign and you want to donate to our campaign, it's not a simple give me money, you know, give me money, give me money. Our campaign is about recognizing that I want to give you something. So you will get you know, this System and Revolution book. You also get access to this very cool tool that I've created, which teaches you the principles of systems, how your body itself is a system. And obviously, you also get a bumper sticker. But if you go to this very cool site called Your Body, Your System, this is uh, out of my life's work to actually teach you 
uh, how the body is a system and how you are a unique being. You see, modern biology tells us that biological systems are very complex. Your body is different than my body. Um, and this is why the notion of medical interventions, one size fits all is so uh, medieval. Uh, and here, what I wanna share with you um, is that with this tool, and uh, anyone uh, who gives 25 or more gets this. You know, we used to sell this for a, a lot more, but uh, it's a way of me supporting what you wanna do. But you answer a set of questions and it figures out your body type. And this is using engineering principles, transport, conversion, and storage. So this would be where your body likes to be. Another set of questions reveals how your body is off course, very much like an airplane, and then what you can do to build, it's an educational tool, uh, to how you can use foods and supplements and exercise to bring your body back to you. And if you wanna read the theory of it, there's a very nice paper I wrote uh, uh, in this journal called The Systems of Systems Engineering. So the point is that I want to teach you how to look at the world in a different way, how your body is a system, how there's interconnections. And that's why I'm able to take something like biomedia warfare and take biology and media, put it together, because I see these things in a very different way. Um, they want to weaken us, so they say strong. Bannon, no saint deception. Uh, population control, kombucha. Yeah, so one of the things, someone just said kombucha. In traditional systems, people always ate stuff that were in high enzymatic content that supported your microbiome. Your microbiome uh, is all over your body, but it's your bacterial jungle in your body. For every one cell you have, there's at least 10 to 100 other bacteria or viruses in your body. These are not enemies in many ways. They're basically part of who we are. And they interact with us, and, and we're only starting to learn how the gut microbiome influences the brain. So that's why when we start taking certain medical interventions without fully understanding their ramifications, we could be t perturbing our own microbiome. So for example, in when I grew up in India in a, in a small village, I remember my great-grandfather, before he went to work in the fields, he would drink the previous nights, uh, it was almost like rice wine, it was basically fermented rice, and he would drink that, and that in many ways had a lot of B vitamins, but it supported his microbiome before he went to work. Uh, other people did yogurts, other people did sauerkrauts, kombucha. Pretty much every culture had a way of, or some aspect of supporting that, or fermented drinks. So this is what kombucha really is. Health rights, a new buzz for conservatives. Uh, intelligent candidate, what state are you running? And I'm running in Massachusetts, get the word out. Uh, the, a Shiva for Senate victory is really not about Massachusetts, it's about the country. It's time that you guys had someone like you or someone like a real American. So when you really look at me, I in many ways reflect the founders of this country. A real American who's running for office, not these un-American politicians who are do-nothing deadbeats who frankly, uh, I don't think, I, I don't even know why they're even in office and how the, these guys even got there. But with my candidacy, we have some something very special I believe for this country but you, because and, and reflects what this country gave me. CO2 is a fake fear. Senate needs you, definitely. Our sun is going through a, uh, yep, a solar, yeah. So there are, the, you know, the climate is always changing, okay? It's always changing. The issue is um, no one doubts the climate changes. No one doubts CO2 is a greenhouse gas. No one doubts greenhouse gases increase temperature. The issue is how much? And that question, is what the fundamental question is. Look, it's known that the temperature is gonna go up one degree because we're at the end of an ice age. 
However, raising fear, using that fear to drive policy so certain people can make money without ever addressing the fundamental issues of infrastructure, if you read the manifesto, is what this is all about, using biomedia warfare. Um, Medusa too, thank you. I hope he wins. Look, again, I'm telling you that I'll prob you know, I ran last time against a fake Indian Elizabeth Warren, who's a complete fake. This year, um, you know, I'm running as a Republican. They, by the way, both parties last year kept me off the debate stage. Hopefully they won't do that this time. Um, but the important issue is you have someone real running, a scientist, an inventor, an educator, someone who actually works for a living. China violating the atmosphere and running a concentration camp. You will win, Shiva. Thank you. Please discuss NCOV from a modern immune system perspective. Enjoyed your immune system talk. Um, so anyway, if you guys go down uh, in my Twitter, there's a talk I did called The Modern Theory of the Immune System. Um, and that talk really lays out um, uh, from my research, which I presented at the National Science Foundation Center about a month ago, what is the modern immune system and how that view of the immune system, which is modern science, is so different than the very primitive model of the immune system that was used to deliver vac uh, create vaccines, which is what we still use. That's about 50 to 150 years old. So the key takeaway, if you go read the video, uh, see the video, you should do it. By the way, today I'll be doing another video with my uh, partner, Alan Erickson. Um, Alan is my partner in shooting the videos. Uh, he's not my partner in other ways, <laughs> but uh, uh, Alan is going to help me do a video, he's very good at the camera angles, another video that we're gonna do about the healthcare system at around 4 p.m. today, where I do my drawings. A lot of people don't even understand how the healthcare system works. Um, today, you're gonna to learn how the healthcare system works, like you learned how the Paris Accords works or, or the immune system works. Bill Gates is a hero of the Netflix pandemic movie. Nothing strange, folks. Yeah, it's quite, you know, Bill Gates is out there. He said, uh, you know, he wished he had gotten a PR agent when he was younger. Bill Gates uh, did not create DOS. He bought it from another guy. His mama and papa helped him you know, market it out there. He's an example of someone who represents the aristocracy. He didn't come bottoms up like I did or Philo Farnsworth did or Charles Lindbergh did, real in inventors or like the founders of this country. This guy's an aristocrat and he's a top-down guy, thinks he knows it all. Now he's got uh, a lot of publicity promoting him as, a, as the smartest guy in the world and he's not that smart. Um, God bless you, Dr. Shiva. Uh, any ideas on how to solve remyelination of to treat MS, other neurological issues affecting millions? Great question. Um, I wrote a paper in Nature Neuroscience. Let me see if I can go find it for you guys. It's on PubMed. Um, if we go to PubMed here, I'm going to go to PubMed here and I'll try to find it for you guys. Let me transition here. If we go to PubMed, you guys can find it also. It's a paper I'm, I'm proud of because this was using the technology that I developed to really look at all sorts of neurovascular diseases um, as a, um, let me see, parasites, PIR. Parasites are a structure around the brain. Um, so this is a paper, it's free. It's up on, you can get it here. Um, if you read this paper here, it's quite a good paper. It's called Parasites of the Neurovascular Unit, Key Functions and Signaling Pathways. So what is the parasites? Let me see if I can. So if you look at this diagram here, let me explain what the parasites are. So if you think about your brain, if you, uh, uh, let me explain it this way. 
you have your brain, which I'm going to do a simple model, but if here's your brain, surrounding your brain is what's called the neurovascular unit. So you have your brain, uh, which uh, I'm going to represent here by the astrocytes and the neurons, all your astrocytes and your neurons, but surrounding your brain is what's called arteries, blood flow. Okay, that's called the blood-brain barrier, sorry, blood-brain barrier. So your brain is where all your quote-unquote thinking and all your chemical reactions are taking place, So, which is the astrocytes and the neurons, but around it is made up of these arteries, okay? And the arterial structure is made up of two particular structures. One is this structure right here, if I can zoom in a little bit, um, called the endothelial, this tan structure, okay? Put it right here. And around it is a valve structure called the parasites. Think about blood flows through this gray thing. This is where blood is flowing. And when the parasites are working fine, blood goes from in here into your astrocytes, okay? Which is your brain. And then toxins get taken out of your brain through here, okay? So by the way, this was a paper that I, uh, I was the second senior author, actually a co-PI with Bereslav Zelkovich, one of the leading guys in the world in neurovascular and his uh, postdoc, Melanie. But what we did, Melanie Sweeney, so here, what we, we're looking at the blood-brain barrier. And by the way, just to give you an idea, if you looked at all the blood-brain barrier, you could, and if you stretched out those arteries, it would go from San Francisco to Los Angeles. We have a lot of this blood-brain barrier. And, and the thesis that Dr. Zilkovich had was that when destruction occurs to the parasites, that m many of these neurovascular diseases, Alzheimer's, uh, uh, all the uh, MS, etc. So you can see here at the lateral view, you're looking at blood flowing through your blood-brain barrier. There's the red blood cells. And when destruction takes place to the blood-brain barrier, you get all different kinds of diseases. So what we did was um, using an approach that I shared with you, let me go back to this, um, and uh, the folks at USC, we looked at all the molecular reactions at the, at the, at the cellular level here. That's what you're seeing here. You're looking at all the molecular reactions um, at, at, at the blood-brain barrier here, okay? Um, and then what you're seeing here, over here, um, is all the reactions in the endothelial, which is that one structure um, uh, inside of the, of the brain, the neurovascular unit. Here you're seeing all the, let me go back over here, sorry. Here you're seeing all the chemical reactions over here in the parasites, which is a pink structure. And by the way, behind all of these are hundreds of papers that we've mapped out. And then also over here in the astrocytes, let's go over here. Again, you know, if I had slides, I'd walk you through this, but, in the, but since someone brought this up, and this is the astrocytes. Now, one of the interesting things, one of the major contributions that I made from a system side was really to propose this architecture. So to answer the question, if you look, here's a blood-brain barrier Here's the endothelial, here's the parasites, here's the astrocytes. And you can see all the different molecular pathways here, which we've mapped out from all the research out there. And what we're proposing is all these diseases, Alzheimer's, ALS, cancer, um, different diseases here are not separate diseases, but they're actually, so for example, if you follow Alzheimer's and, and ALS, they're actually dysfunctions in this particular mechanism, which is something that spans the endothelial and the parasites. The simple takeaway is, uh, in Western medicine, unfortunately, we look at everything as an individual disease. But if you take a systems approach, you find out that many of these diseases are common diseases which lead to some type of neuroinflammation. 
And that neuroinflammation is related to a dysfunction that takes place across the subsystems of the immune system. So, and particularly because we know the gut-brain axis. So one of the important things is, how do you support the immune system? Um, one of our colleagues that we're working with um, and others have shared with us, one of the ways is you wanna support your thyroid and your gut. When the thyroid's working well, and you can go, it's a systems approach, your body will take proper carotenoids and it'll convert it to vitamin A. Vitamin A is extremely important for protecting the cell walls. When your gut is working right, proper hydrochloric acid, proper gut bacteria, your body then will produce and maintain the levels of homeostasis. You need to modulate all these reactions. So if you wanna really support your health, really start studying about uh, you know, iodine and, and T3, T4. Uh, start looking really at how you support your thyroid and your gut. I mean, there's many other subsystems, but, but these are two very important subsystems. Okay, um, would you get on a cruise ship today? <laughs> Cures make no money. Man, this, ma this map will bankrupt the medical establishment. I think it's essential for the campaign that Trump endorses you. Look, uh, everyone should be behind our campaign. You know, the opposition, which is whether it's uh, Ed Mark or, or, or this young lad, uh, also the old uh, Ted uh, or Joe Kennedy, uh, they're gonna raise around $40 million. Our goal is to win this campaign with $2 million. So we need about 100,000 people donating us 25 bucks, which is about $2.5 million, and we'll win. Because we have a huge groundswell, not only here, but across the country, because people are tired of these political, corrupt career politician idiots. And they really want someone like you. They want someone like me, who actually understands how to win and what a real American is. So everyone out there, go to our website, give us 25 bucks if you can, give us five, give us $1, volunteer for the campaign, whatever you wanna do. But the campaign in Massachusetts, our campaign, your campaign for Shiva for Senate is gonna be historic. Uh, you know, everyone thought when Trump won that was historic, I would argue that our winning in Massachusetts is gonna be explosive because, the, um, because they don't want everyday people, they don't want people like the founders uh, in the Senate. And it'll give an extraordinary opportunity for you guys to have a real voice. Anyway, it's 1248. Let's see what, what other stuff we have here coming through on, uh, let's see. Let's see what we got coming here on Facebook here. Lots of comments coming on Facebook. Uh, Michelle Pearl, blood brain barrier being underdeveloped in infant is one of the most, important reasons why we should all know better than to inject toxins into the body. So uh, Michelle's making a good point. The blood-brain barrier, think about it, it's a barrier, BBB. It's what protects our brain from all the things that come in. Now the blood-brain barrier, when it evolved, um, was designed to handle certain types of things coming in the natural environment. Was it designed to handle aluminum, you know, which is in vaccine? Was it designed to handle plutonium? Was it designed to handle titanium? These are things that our brain, uh, our body was, has not evolved to handle. So, you know, understanding biology, understanding systems biology, which is I, I've done most of my life, is a way to really, uh, for us to start making decisions and demand. Again, science is important, but this is really about freedom. Um, this is why homeopathy is so important, treats a person, not symptoms. Um, we seem to overthink what we need, clean water, real food, exercise, and fearing nothing but going 
against uh, your own morals. So again, Michelle Proulx said that very, very powerful statement. You know, when we feed the body the right things, you know, traditional systems of medicine, you what, what those were, clean air, clean water, clean food. When we use science to understand what's appropriate for us, and medicine is fundamentally an art and an information science. Um, this evening, I'll talk more about healthcare. We have a bill coming out called the Health Rights Act, which I'll talk about next week. Let's see what else we got here. What source of iodine do you recommend? Look, iodine is, you know, uh, if you study the history of iodine in this country, iodine, uh, our diet used to have, uh, some people argue about 100,000 times more than iodine than we get today. There was a salt scare uh, that came out for cardiovascular disease. Everyone said stop salt. Morton's used to add iodine in the salt. So when people start consuming salt, they in fact got less iodine. One of the best ways of iodine is through food. So for example, uh, uh, dulse, you know, seaweeds, D-U-L-S-E. Seaweeds have quite a bit of um, iodine. If, if you want supplementation, you should go and explore things like many of the uh, glandulars, you know, that come from organic sources. Um, you know, in the old days, people used to, you know, if they ate meat, they would eat, um, you know, the organ meats. The organ meats, some of them have a very good source of, uh, you know, T3 and T4. But fundamentally, if your body has the right levels of iodine, it will produce, you know, and the thyroid's functioning right, uh, it will produce what you need. But you can also supplement it with some of these glandulars, which come from organic sources. Can you donate from overseas? No, you can't donate from overseas. Um, you can't donate, but you know, you're welcome. You know, you can still go to your body, your system. You can get my books and other things that you want anyway. Um, gut health, do you filter the water you drink? If so, how? So great question. Um, filtering water, right? Water, you know, it, you know, I live in a supposedly a, a nice neighborhood here in Massachusetts called Belmont. But when I read my water bill, it says, you know, be aware there could be lead. It's quite extraordinary. Again, instead of focusing on clean air, clean water, clean food, we scare people that everyone's got to go get vaccines. We tell people they got to, you know, CO2 is a pollutant. These political nut job career politicians basically do not address fundamental issues. But, you know, charcoal is a wonderful way. It's a natural way to, um, you know, uh, I, I was just at a, a very nice place where they literally have the charcoal bars you can put in to your water. Charcoal is a very good way uh, to support it. You know, there's much more sophisticated systems like reverse osmosis. Um, uh, uh, there's a number of systems like that which actually use a permeable membrane, semi-permeable membrane, which blocks pretty much everything coming through. But one of the things we do need is we need a proper set of minerals in our body. Next question. Um, let me answer that. Let's go over here. Some types of sushi of iodine. I have a zero water filter. I distilled my water. Infowars, someone says, is the best iodine. Virus designed for <clears throat> Chinese DNA. Yeah, someone just said that. Someone said, was this virus designed for only going and attacking Chinese people and knocking them out? We don't know. But I can tell you this, that 2% mortality rate, okay? Uh, China's taken, you know, Hong Kong off the front pages. Just talking about this for my thyroid health, seaweed is a great source. Yes, seaweed is an amazing source, you know, of iodine. Liver is good for you. Yeah, and you know, in the old folklore, uh, once a week or once every two weeks, uh, people would have, you know, liver, you know, properly cooked. My grandmother would make it at least uh, once a week. Cancer hates oxygen. That's true. 
Um, let's see. Alex Jones is right again. Iodine is a magic supplement. Gets Survival Shield X2. There's an ad for Alex. Um, I want to run in Rhode Island. Can we talk tomorrow? Sure. Call me up. What if you don't have thyroid or your or replacement medicine? Look, um, I am not, you know, according to the FDA, I'm not a medical uh, specialist. You should act, act, ask your doctor, but I do understand systems. Your, th your thyroid is one of the essential systems in your body and people should go study it. There's great places you can study uh, the th how the thyroid works. Donated. How do we find somebody in other states? Thank you. Um, um, go Shiva. Can we meet tomorrow? Someone? Yep. Um, rooting for you. God bless you. Uh, what about 35% food grade HO2 target to flood the system? Look, hydrogen peroxide, you know, um, uh, when you can deliver oxygen to your body, anaerobic bacteria, anaerobic means without oxygen cannot survive. Um, you know, there are uh, some very good natural toothpaste, for example, that put H2O2 in it. One of the things I want people to explore is periodontal disease. Um, when you look at your mouth bacteria, there's a microbiome in here. And, you know, our mouth is very closely related to our brain. So, meaning there's a whole a body of work that's showing that if you have spirochetes, certain types of bacteria in your brain, you're going to affect heart health plus brain health. So, in many, again, in traditional cultures, um, people would do a set of practices to keep their mouth in good shape. For example, I'll give you an example. In the village in India, before you ate a meal, you would wash out your mouth, then you would eat, okay? You'd have a certain set of uh, foods you eat. By the way, you, you, you hit all the f uh, different flavors. And at the end of it, you always had yogurt at the end, okay? It's an interesting thing, then you washed out your mouth, mouth again. But the point is that the notion of keeping the mouth clean, but with the right bacteria. Um, my, uh, our work with Cytosol is about, we just finished up a very interesting study looking at the 700 different bacteria in the mouth to really understand periodontal disease, which we'll be publishing in probably several months from now, but keep an eye out for that. But again, mouth health is very, very important. Okie dokie. Uh, uh, Marie Riley says, that's awesome. Shiva's amazing. I've been with him since 2017, 2018. So everyone down on the South Shore, uh, we have, uh, uh, we, by the way, we need volunteers all over the state. Let me just, uh, in closing, let me tell you, we have to get 40,000 signatures to get on the ballot. So if you guys are outside of Massachusetts, go and volunteer on our website, donate, uh, of course, but volunteer, you can help us make calls. But those of you in Massachusetts, if you have family in Massachusetts, let them know to come and volunteer for our campaign. We have squad leaders here. We need to get 40,000 signatures very quickly. Um, to get on the ballot. And then it's winning the race, which all of you can help do. Tell, you know, tweet this out. Let other people know that there's, you know, a real American uh, running for office, you know, that, you know, it rep he was a hardworking guy, just like you, um, uh, that represents truly America and wants to really work for you and, and really of service. So let get the word out there. Um, Let's finish up with a few others. I'll go end up with Facebook. Um, my goat's gut. My goat's gut is most important. Also, I'm not sure what that means. What about getting shingle shot? Really wants wants to do that. Uh, what's up? I had pneumonia from a bad tooth. Yes. Yeah, so the you know you know mouth health, which we forget, is extremely important. 
um, you know, when dentists start doing root canals and going deep into your mouth, you should really think about your immune health before you get some of these um, dental procedures done uh, because the immune health, mouth health, uh, can affect your entire body. So be very careful when you have dent uh, dentistry done. Dentistry is something uh, that's important, but you should really understand how to do the dentistry well. I mean, how, how to support the dentistry process. Okay, let's see what else is left here. The mouth, mic mouth has its own microbiome. Yep, what protocol would you recommend when being exposed to high levels of copper and lead in water? Toxic air, we work next to garbage burning plant. Wow, high levels of carcinogens in water, soil, air. Uh, worried about immediate detox. I use Martin sulfur, my water sulfur, is that safe? Okay, so look, um, heavy metals. Now here's the thing with metals, okay? At microdose levels, some of these metals are very valuable. Believe it or not, in traditional systems of medicine, people would use very small doses of even arsenic. Uh, and in fact, that's what it is in many of the uh, pills that people use if a dog gets heartworm. So the it's all about dosaging. So obviously, if you're around a lot of these environments where you're getting a lot of toxic air, you may want to look at things and you, you should talk to health. There's a lot of good healthcare professionals, naturopaths and in fact, integrative MDs who have ways to really support your liver. The liver and the skin, listen very carefully, are where toxins are, are um, uh, processed. So, so if, you're, if your liver ain't working right, um, your skin is going to be the secondary control, secondary method, secondary system to handle uh, you know, expulsion of toxins. So one of the good areas to look at is the liver. The liver is really like the carburetor of your body. That's all the blood is processed through there. All the detox <coughs> occurs through there. Obviously kidneys are very important. Um, and then the skin. So, um, you know, there are many things you can do to support this. It may, some of them can be physical activity where you're moving your lymph, uh, massage, uh, brushing that supports the skin always and there's some very very good powerful um, herbs out there that you may want to look for supporting um, the the liver dandelion greens are amazing vegetable milk thistle people should explore these there's been a lot of good scientific work done on both of these anyway in closing I want to say thank you very much uh, this evening I'll be doing a, a talk on the healthcare system you've seen my chalkboard talks again these are educational uh, again, just to let everyone know, um, you know, I do work full-time. I have a full-time job. Uh, I'm not a, a professional nonprofit running stuff on, you know, we had a, I know many of you know, when it came to the vaccine issue, I've been out there talking, educating you on immune health, but I also took a very bold stand, also exposing the people who've been involved in this movement. And uh, if you go look at a lot of the Facebook comments, some people got upset at that because I went after certain sacred cows. Um, but the bottom line is we live in a free country. We should have open discourse. And I'm as transparent as you, oh, uh, as I hope everyone will be. And, I, and I'll be as transparent to share with you everything I'm doing. That's why we built the new VA Shiva site. So go look at it so you have an understanding of what I'm doing. If you want me to share other content, please let me know. But please, Support your campaign. It's your campaign, Shiva, for Senate. This is a national, we're running in Massachusetts for U.S. Senate, but it's a national campaign. And I'll continue to bring to you more innovative ideas, you know, so we can build the future and move forward. That's what uh, I hope 